Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Full work limited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Strettycast, coming to you after an FA Cup win in the fifth round against West Ham, takes us to the quarterfinals. Mike, it took extra time, it was a dull affair, it wasn't easy on the eye throughout. Tell us what you took from the game and obviously delighted to be in the quarterfinals I'm sure. It was a desperately dull affair, really. I mean, it just looked like um, a training exercise of attack against defence for, for long spells. Apart from probably a brief spell in the second half, West Ham made a couple of changes and looked a little bit more threatening. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, I still feel a bit tired today because watching that game really just put me into a coma. <laughs> I wrote about it last night in the blog and I said I put a crowd of insomniacs to sleep. Um, but, look, we got there in the end. We, we, we got the job done. Um, I don't feel throughout the game I was ever in any real doubt. Um, in regards to getting the results because I just think it was another example of David Moyes' tactics in a sense that you look at his their performance against Liverpool not long ago when they lost 3-1 and this is a side, Mike, if you've seen him in the league most weeks, they perform pretty well, they have good attack but David players. Moyes has always had this issue with big, big, in, against bigger teams though but, but, which is uh, why he couldn't manage, why he can't manage United, why he can't manage a club like United he, he takes what they've been doing so well it, it, all along um, against these big sides and goes ultra-defensive. Now, last night, he wasn't thinking about their pre- Premier League um, position, which at the moment is sixth. They're level on points with Chelsea and one point behind Liverpool. So West Ham are doing pretty well right now. It wasn't a game where they were worried about dropping points. This was a cup game. And it was an opportunity also for them to maybe go toe-to-toe with a, with a team in a cup tie. And David Moyes and West Ham offered absolutely nothing. Um, and again, again, seeing him on the touchline at Old Trafford, although there was a West Ham tracksuit clearly visible, it just sends the, the, a nightmare through my spine, thinking of him as manager again. It's, but it was weird, though, because when we played them in the league earlier in the season, they really did have a go at us. You yeah. know, they really, for the first hour, 
and I think they just ran out of steam in the end. Um, but they were really good. They they caused a lot of problems. Um, I don't know whether obviously they, they, I I don't know whether he was inhibited as well by the players that they were they were missing. I think not having Antonio was a big blow for him to be honest, yeah. Dale, because he's a he's a really important part of the attack. So maybe that that was part of the problem. And losing of Bonner early as well, who's been a cornerstone really for him at the back. Um, and someone that helps them bring the ball out as well. I don't think that helped either. But yeah, I was quite surprised that they were so negative when... When they have the players there. I'm not, I'm not saying they're gifted with excellent world-class players, but from watching West Ham play this season, I know they can play football. And they're I not as good. They're definitely not as good going forward when Antonio's not there. Yeah. Because he's such a difficult player to defend against. And he's such an unusual footballer as well. I mean, this is a guy that didn't start out as a forward. I think he started out as like a wing-back or something like that and was moved to being a centre-forward a few years ago because he's he's such a beast physically and he's really hard to stop when he's running with the ball as well. And he's constantly, you know, haranguing defenders. So, yeah, I think, that, I think that was a blow. But I just felt after the way they played against us earlier in the season where... They probably deserve to win that game in the league earlier in the season. They were much better than we were. We played well for the best part of like 12 minutes and scored three goals. Um, they must have been tearing their hair out that they didn't win that. So, yeah, it was it was disappointing. It was the same with Liverpool. You know, Liverpool were there for the taking. If they'd have gone yeah. out and had a go at them, they could have... This, this would tell Liverpool were really struggling. Well, they're really struggling. They're really struggling now, Dale. They've lost the last two games in the league. Just, um, I guess I guess it was the beginning of their struggle, really, in terms of bad, yeah. really bad results. But Just, but but the thing is with West Ham, like, unfortunately we don't have a West Ham fan on, but I would love to ask a West Ham fan about David Moyes. Obviously they're going to be happy with their league position and they've gotten good results this season. But in the cup, it's going to be a blow to be knocked out. They lost anyway. Okay, so my point is they played that way against Liverpool, they played that way against Manchester United, and they still lost. So in a cup game, really, why not go for it? Why not have a have a go? <laughs> Yeah, I don't mind being cautious in a cup game. I think that's understandable, is, is being cautious. Certainly, I mean, the first... I've just got my notes here for the game, and like after 30 minutes, I've got the West Ham are extremely negative and non-existent in attack. Yeah, I kind of understood that for maybe like 20, 25 minutes. So then maybe West Ham think, well, they're not, they're not breaking us down here. Exactly. They look like they're struggling, especially when, for me... If I'd have been West Ham, what really would have perked me up a bit was seeing Martial playing up front and not Cavani. I would have been like, okay, maybe we can maybe we can gamble a little bit more because Martial just doesn't have the assertiveness or that kind of that cold-eyed, you know, uh, ability in front of goal to finish chances. Um, so we could maybe gamble a little bit more once you got towards the end of the first half, but they never did really. They started with more urgency in the second half. He brought that. Uh, there was that young lad they brought on. Um, was it Johnson? Was it they brought on? He seemed to perk them up a bit going down the wing. I was surprised. I would say I was surprised at Jared Bowen having any no influence on the game. But the poor guy was never giving the ball, was he? So what can he do if he's not getting the ball? Um, so that was uh, that seemed to perk them up a bit. And then it kind of after about ten minutes of that, it just seemed to drop back in again. I mean, Rashford had a chance about 10 minutes into the second half. It was a good goalkeeping by Fabianski, to be fair. He came out quickly, made himself big. You know, everything David De Gea didn't do against 
Dominic Calvert-Lewin, right? Um, maybe Russia could have slipped that one in underneath him at the near post, but that's easy said and done. I think Fabianski so, is a good shout for a player who's had a pretty underrated Premier League career. He's very, very good at Swansea City, and um, he, he's he's a definite upgrade on Adrian, who, mm. was, who they generally had in goal before then. He was either Adrian or Lee Grant. So I wouldn't be... I wouldn't be too harsh on Rashford for that one. I don't think he had a very good game. Um, although it was a lovely layoff for the for the goal. And we'll get some at Tomine's goal, I'm sure, because I thought that was a really well-worked bit of football. That was a really good counter-attack. It was probably... I, I would say, I don't know about you, Dale, I thought it was the best... It was the one moment of real quality in the whole game. Yeah, and I think what that came from, I don't want to spoil it, our, our McTominay conversation too early, but throughout the game, our forwards were guilty of it too. When we got into the final tour, we were too happy to play these sideways passes and there wasn't enough shooting. We were almost Too many touches. Yeah. Too many touches. And we were almost trying to pass the ball into the back of the net and I just wanted someone to come on and just have a crack at goal. Bruno Fernandes came on with McTominay and the both of them added that to, to, to the performance when they came on. It I was think it's five needed. goals in six games to McTominay now. Five in his last six or something like that. And it's incredible because uh, reading last night through my timeline, people on Twitter were going crazy when he was coming on, saying, like, we need a goal. And wh- why, why is McTominay coming on? <laughs> in hindsight, it was fantastic. But, but just, um, again, on the way West Ham played, and it was something that I looked at when the starting lineup was was announced, was um, Alex Tellez at left-back. Now, in hindsight, perfect game for Mourinho, or sorry, not Mourinho, Solskjaer was probably aware of the, the fact that how a West Ham were going to play the game or approach it. But he didn't, we didn't have much um, problems to deal with defensively. And he was allowed to get forward. He whipped in a few crosses, one for... I thought he was pretty decent, actually, tell us. Yeah. I, thought he was, I thought he was okay. I mean, he was putting the balls in, but there was mass ranks of blue shirts in the box, setting it away. And I don't think United had enough about them up front to get on the end of those crosses. Do, do, I think do, he, he was dying out to have Cavani there. He was. Right? That was, he what, was. I think if you'd have had Cavani there, I think we would have scored a lot earlier because he would have got on the end of some of those balls into the box. No, definitely. And that's why it was a shame then that, that Tellez was taken off about five minutes after Cavani came on. So I was initially hoping to see... Those two link up, but there well, was. To be fair, one... Shaw's, Shaw's delivery is not bad either. <laughs> no, 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 and Shaw's been fantastic lately. Um, but but the point about Tellez was there was one there was one scene that um, I thought was very positive, and it's not something I've seen too much of, and I've been critical of Anthony Martial on the podcast. But there was one run he made into the box um, last night, and he spotted Tellez, and it was just a, a great cross. Martial gets on the end of it, and he sends it wide. It's not really the point, though. The point is that he's getting in, he got into that position, and that's the biggest problem with Martial is that I see when, unless the ball is put on a plate for him, he's not going to make the effort. And that's what the difference between a top-class centre-forward, look at Cavani, who works hard, and you look at, look at Martial, who at times is a bit lacklustre, happy to be there, um, happy to, to be there every week, he's in, getting in a team every week. He, he never looks happy, let's sulk Mark, Mark too. But the, the thing is with Martial, we just want to see him work harder. Because the goals will come, Mike. The goals will come. I, I think the problem with Martial is he just needs a rocket up his backside every week. Because I, when, don't, I, don't, I don't think he's... You talk about the goals will come. I just don't think he's that kind of player. 
But 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 like see my, my point it maybe it's it's the fact that he's not that type of player. But with more urgency, I'm convinced he will get more goals. And maybe that's what Solskjaer is trying to drag out of him. He'll and never, he can't he'll do it. He'll never have that, Dale. He'll never have it. He'll there, never have it. Well, that's what it comes down to then this summer. Because there, there, there's probably a question when I get through him on Martial. But a quick one on um, David De Gea, Mike. He, he was dropped last night, probably standard procedure for, for an FA Cup game. But he, after his mistake against Everton, all eyes were on Dean Henderson last night. Now, he, again, defence was quite... Henderson didn't have much to do, and, and as Solskjaer said, he hopes most weeks is going to be like that. Um, what happens at the weekend? Do you throw in Henderson or bring back De Gea? I mean, I would play Henderson for the next 10 games, but he won't do that. De Gea will be brought back in. So what I think should happen is really irrelevant. Uh, the manager's clearly nailed his colours to the mast on De Gea because he's he doesn't have the balls to drop in because of the contracts he's on. Yeah, I, I, I'm sitting on the fence with this one and I, I tell you why because Tahir could easily play the weekend and put in a brilliant performance because we know he has the ability to be a top goalkeeper but in the last two to, two and a half to three years hasn't been consistent enough and I don't think he is a top goalkeeper right now as things stand he was anymore he'll never no. be again well, I'm afraid it tends to be the way with goalkeepers Dale when they go on the slide they tend to stay on the slide unfortunately yeah. But the thing is with Dean Henderson, and we're probably going to have the same conversation about Danny van der Beek shortly, is when he's played, I don't think he's pulled up trees. Um, I, and I, I think I said last week that he struggles with the ball at his feet, and that's a problem this United side already with the defence. Is he an upgrade on De Gea right now? I guess so, but it's a big call to make, because if it backfires... And I suppose that get, then again, that brings you to conversation. That's what Solskjaer's paid to do. He's paid to make big decisions. And right now, if United are in a title race with De Gea making mistakes every second week, they're not going to be in that title race for very long. So it's probably a gamble worth taking right now. I think Allison and his cold feet were an, would be an upgrade on De Gea right now after what I saw of him on Sunday. Listen, give him a chance. At the end of the day, if, though, if this is going to be an issue with the ball at his feet and whatnot, then United need to look at buying a goalkeeper. Simple as that. Gary Neville gets got get gets onto that on his latest podcast for Sky Sports, and he names five or so p- positions that United need to address, and he does touch on that the goalkeeper is one that needs to be monitored, that needs to be kind of considered, and I I do think right now my view would be that Manchester United should be looking at a goalkeeper in transfer market, someone that. Yeah, I agree. Um, you know we 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 spoke about Jan Oblak last week. That's definitely out of the price range. I would think. So maybe maybe that might fall in, in Henderson's favour. Maybe he might get next season as number one. Look, time will tell. But United are in the, the next round of the FA Cup. We don't know who we have yet. But um, it, it, it's a competition, Mike, that we've spoken about that we want to win this season. I think, like I said, we were never really in doubt last night, although it was a dull game. And we're in the next round. Can you t- do you think that we'll get the momentum now and go on to win it? I don't know yet. What I've seen of United in big matches this season has not had me convinced that we can quite get over the line, but I'd like to be wrong on that one. They really need to get this monkey off their back now. Um, I think what United could do with is a, is a big draw, I think, for the quarter-final. I think United could do with maybe like a Man City or someone like that. In the quarter. That's what United need, someone like that, and to go out and beat them. And I know, you know people say, oh, I don't want City, they could beat us. United are going to have to beat these teams if they want to win trophies, right? So I think that's what they need. They need a big draw, like they got Liverpool in the previous round. 
it's a big draw again for United to really focus the minds and and get them over the line in a big game. Are you saying that for the reason that they get over the big one in the quarterfinals, they might get away with it in the sec in the semi-finals? Maybe, maybe, yeah. <laughs> because that so. that is that is the monkey on the back that you're referring to is the semi-finals. The fact yeah, that but lost semi-finals. Four. But you look at United's big match record in the league this season; it's extremely poor. They haven't won any of the games against the big six, against the traditional big six, and also if you include Leicester into that mix, make that seven. They haven't beaten them either. So you know you need to be winning these matches, and I think they could do a could do a big draw. I think a tough run to the final would do United a lot of good. I want to read out a comment from our Facebook community from Damien Young. Um, it's a bit of a question as well at the start, Mike, for you. Repeating myself again because he mentioned this on the page last week. How do we solve a problem called Rashford? With the exception of setting up the winner for McTominay, he's totally lost his edge in front of goal, often running at defenders at speed and losing the ball. His demeanour doesn't look right. Maybe he's tired, I don't know. But our strikers need to start firing if we want silverware. There's another comment underneath that from um, another member of the, the community. and he said, I said last night to a few of the boys, Rashford looks like he doesn't want to be there. Oh, I'm not sure about that, Mike, but just before we get into the rest of it, um, is there a problem called Rashford? He's definitely been way off his best, hasn't he, this season? I don't think there's any question of that. He looked like his back was bothering him again yesterday. He got banged up there. He's had problems with his shoulder. I don't know whether he maybe needs a rest to three or four matches. Maybe just taken out of the team. Although, we had this discussion a few weeks ago, who the hell do you bring in? We haven't got anybody else to put in put into that position there isn't a huge amount of depth there but um, yeah it's definitely not right and it's something that needs to be looked at the amount of times I keep seeing him running to cul-de-sacs and losing the ball just running literally just running into opposition defenders and then losing the ball breaking up an attack it was a lovely moment I mean the layoff for, for the goal was really really good that was a good piece of instinctive skill that he did weighted there weighted it perfectly into McTominay to be able to run in it and just stroke it into the net on the volley but he's definitely not been anywhere near as good since he came back from his back injury that he was before when he was on a really good run of form and then probably because he got played far too often after he was already carried an injury he was out for quite some time so it's a huge concern you know they've got a number of areas concerned with their, their forwards Martial obviously is discussed earlier is a big area of concern for United as well I think the, I'm delighted you brought up the, fa- the injury with Rashford because I think the two of them are definitely linked um, Rashford not long ago missed uh, the most recent international duty campaign or international break with a, with a shoulder problem and in the weeks leading up to that he was playing for United with that shoulder problem so when we're talking about Rashford's form this season he's played with a number of niggles and that has to come into to our assessment. You know, that's, it's very hard to play at this level when you're not 100% when you have pains. Everyone knows that. I'm not sure about his demeanour. I think, I don't, I don't think it's a matter he doesn't look happy. I think he's probably not happy with his own performance. He's probably not happy that he's feeling those pains because as an athlete, those things are what get you down really, aren't they? If you're not at your best, then everyone's talking about you and everyone's asking these questions. I don't think it's as deep as this. I just think he's not happy with how he's performing, um, which is a positive thing because he wants to get better. But 
I'm not really worried about it. I think Rashford, okay, we've spoken about players who aren't playing well and that are getting into the team every week, Mike. But Rashford, for me, is a player that gets a bit of a boy, as you mentioned. He, who else are you going to throw in there? He, he, he's a very, very good player. And I think he's a player that Solskjaer is willing to wait to get over this hurdle to get back to his best. Um, as well as that, in regards to resting him, Mike... I don't think Solskjaer can rest him, apart from the Europa League games. I really don't, because you're not going to rest him in a league game when, the pa- in the past month, a really good momentum has been kind of crushed by results against Sheffield, Arsenal and Everton. We need to win games. So this is the thing. We have a European Championships in the summer, but Solskjaer doesn't give a shit about that. These players are playing for Man United. In the summer, they can, they, can, they can do what they want. They can rest. But he has to win football matches. He's England. also not a guaranteed starter for England, Dale. Yeah, maybe not. But my point is, I wouldn't be worried about players needing rest too much. Solskjaer needs to win football matches. He, he, he needs to win. And without Rashford in the team, and again, we've seen last night how, how reliant we are on Bruno Fernandes. You know, last we've said in this podcast over time and time again, Oh, this could be the week now Bruno Fernandes gets a few minutes or uh, 90 minutes off for a rest because he looks tired. Bruno Fernandes had to come on to change the dynamic of the match last night. And we'll get on Danny van der Beek in a minute. But Bruno Fernandes, again, had to come off the bench and change the tempo of the game because the players that started the game weren't capable of doing it. And how I, why I find that unacceptable as well, Mike, is there's a few players given a chance last night. They're playing against the West Ham side, who I think we can both accept sat back and were very negative. If you can't dictate a tempo and pick out key passes against a side like that, and Bruno Fernandes has to come off the bench and he makes a difference so quickly. Questions have to be asked about Donny van der Beek because I see too many people asking questions about Oligada Solskjaer and why he's not picking him. I think it's down to Danny van der Beek, who should get more opportunities. He needs more opportunities. It's down to every player who signs for this club to prove to the manager that he's ready to play. And I haven't seen anything yet this season. I don't think anyone really has to suggest Danny van der Beek should be starting every week. He's going to get a few games now because Paul Pogba's injured for a few weeks. But let's face it, he's not pulling up trees and he doesn't look like he's playing at the right pace for, for, for English football. It's going to take him time, maybe, like Fred. But I don't think he's ready yet, Mike. Don't think he, he, won't, he won't be a Manchester United player next season. But if he's not a Manchester United player last next season, that says more about him than it does Solskjaer. Because I'm sure no, it Solskjaer... says more about it says more about the club. It says more about the club and their policy signing players. Why have they yeah. signed a guy that the manager didn't want? The manager didn't want him. The manager wanted Jack Graylish. He got Donny Van der Beek. It's very obvious he didn't want him because otherwise he would have been playing when Paul Pogba was absolute dog shit from the beginning of the season up until the beginning of January. I have to and say, yet, though, Paul I've Pogba never... was playing all the time uh, and, and Donny van der Beek couldn't get a look in. You look at the fact that we spoke about Rashford's been poor this season, plays every week. Bruno Fernandes had a run of about six or seven games when he was next to useless. Couldn't find the red shirt of a pass. Was having no effects on a game. Looked knackered. Looked spent. Didn't kept playing him. Anthony Martial is just, you know, a player that just disappoints time and time again. Constantly plays. But, th- but this know, is what's Harry Maguire got to do to lose the captain's armband? What's David De Gea got to do to not play for five or six games? How many more mistakes have you got to make? I think Van der Beek's confidence has been absolutely destroyed. I think mm. that's what's happened. He's made eight starts all season. 
when he's come off the bench, he comes off for about two minutes because he comes on basically as a time-wasting sub. I watch him and I look at a guy who thinks, who feels like, I, I, from what I can see, that if he makes a mistake, he's not going to play for 20 games as opposed to other players in the team who can make as many mistakes as they like and they'll keep playing. Uh, even even when you and even when you and your agent come out and make the manager look like a fucking chump on the eve of a big game, you'll still play. Yeah, no, look, I, those are all valid points and I totally agree that he hasn't got the opportunities to really even accept, assess him as a player and that's my whole point here. That I ha- In the games he has played, he has not done enough to start games. and But, but Solskjaer's not making an issue with that. The media has made a thing of Solskjaer not rating him. And I can't say I've, I've heard from any sources at the club that Solskjaer has questions over the signing or that Solskjaer didn't want the signing. I've never heard that. Solskjaer doesn't have the guts to question what the, the, he's, the guys above him at the club are doing. That's why he's there. That's part of the reason why he's there. But, but, but I, I also feel that it, it was a good signing. And I, and I still think it was because it's an option that we have. That it's, a, it's a better option than Lingard. It's a better option than Juan Mata. And if people really think that, Danny, that Solskjaer doesn't rate Danny van der Beek, well, then he wouldn't have started last night. He wouldn't have started last night because Juan Mata is there as well. There's, number, there's other players there. I, 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 I think the Solskjaer has been pinpointed by members of the media. Well, hang on, Solskjaer, when Solskjaer came in on a permanent basis, he didn't rate Nemanja Matic that highly, did he? And yet he's still playing a lot and he gave him a new contract. So, <laughs> but, but, yeah, but, but that's a case of your judgment changes over time because you get to know the players and the players get to know you and your tactics. The, the big thing about this, you can't compare Danny van der Beek not getting games and look, and then look to Martial and Pogba, who haven't been playing well, and they've been getting games during periods of the season. And, and you can't compare that because Solskjaer also knows this is a new player come from a different league. He's made it very clear that these players need bedded in. He hasn't been rushing to play Ahmad Diallo or Pelestri, who's now gone on loan. He's not rushing to throw these players in because he's aware that look, you look at Fred didn't hit the ground running, hardly played when he first signed for United because Mourinho wouldn't play him. And now look at him. It's like this isn't the end of the road for Danny Van. Der he, he wasn't. He wasn't really Mourinho signing, though, was he, Fred? Well, he signed them, and then he was something well, else. He didn't, did he? Though <laughs> we signed him, the club made the decision to sign him because City, City were wanted at him. him. Yeah, of course. That's what happened? Okay, okay, okay. But the other side of it too, Mike, is all you got a social, whether we like it or not. Anyone that is in this role. Nowadays, when you're the manager of Manchester United, your job is to get the best out of your team. And because we, we, we see it every summer, we complain, oh, the board aren't backing them. The board aren't backing them. We That's say the job of any manager at any but, club, Dale. Of course, But of if, course. You're, if you're supposed to be at a club where you're supposed to be, you want to be successful at winning trophies, well, you need, get, you need to have the players to do it. I absolutely agree. And I don't think Soldier has those players yet, but... He's brought in a sign. I, I really don't buy the narrative that he doesn't rate him, that he doesn't like him, and that that I agree. Danny Van der Beek's confidence looks shattered. You could see when he was coming off last night. He knew when the when the board was going up that his number was going to show. And but but this is all this is all part and parcel of being a footballer. There's not a footballer out there that can tell you the story of their career where it's const, constant ups because those downs help build your character. And Danny Van der Beek. Watching the match last night looked off the pace. 
wasn't showing for the ball. At times looked like a headless chicken. He did. He wasn't in the right areas. He wasn't making the right passes. He's not this, well, first of all, I've watched plenty of Donny van der Beek at Ajax. He's not the same kind of player as Bruno Fernandes. He's a different sort oh, okay. of okay. But, but then make the game right. your so own, so, and he didn't well, do well, that. Well, <laughs> how many times have I watched? You know, Anthony Martial looks off the pace every time he played. He's, but he got 120 minutes out there last night. Uh, yeah, I know, but they're different. They're different positions, different players, and different options. We we mentioned we can't drop Rashford. Who are we going to bring in? So, like last night was in a case. Who are you going to drop? You have Greenwood in the pitch. You have Martial in the pitch. You have Rashford in the pitch. You're giving Cavani some time off, but you actually have to bring him on at the end. The game changed the dynamic. You know, United, like you go on Twitter and, and, and even we said all these players need dropping, but then the players need replacing. And are people happy with the replacements coming in? That's another question. We probably wouldn't be in this position in the table or even in the FA Cup if it wasn't for the players that, were, that are starting every week. Is that, that's a pretty fair assessment, no? Uh, no, I don't agree. I don't agree. You think David De Gea is the reason why we are where we are in the league? No, but, but it's Being a collective. Two centre-halves uh, no. deserve credit for where we are in the league? No, don't be ridiculous. No, but, it, but it's, a te- it's a team sport. So all of those players have, have played contributing factors. Yes, they've all made mistakes pretty much. There's been games where Bruno Fernandes hasn't played well. There's been games where pretty much all that team have let us down. But we're still in this position right now. And I think the players, the manager, the coaching staff, they all have to take credit because no one, none of us expected to be second in the table, did we? No, um, although I have to say I, I found the attitude of, of the club quite disappointing when they got into that position of, of being in and around the top of the table at the end of January. I think they've looked like they're quite happy to be there. They look like a mid-table team that's just suddenly ended up at the top of the league. That's the mentality we've gone in with, so... That's that's been disappointing. They need it to has, sort that yeah. out as well. Yeah, that has very, been very disappointing. I know we listen. We as outside observers can say repeated that I looked at United this season. I look at the personal and go, that's not a team that's good enough to win the league. But when you're there, you're in ground zero. It's the end of January, beginning of Feb. You are top of the league. You have to go for it. And it, at the very least, I would have expected the manager and the players to say, listen, I'm not going to. To say we're going to win the league, but we're we're going to you know try and finish as high as we can this season. And, yeah, and, and, I, make, I, and, make, and make you know and make sure that we are ready to go and challenge for that league title next season. And you haven't done that. I've been fairly supportive of Soldier's reaction to these comments because he's been reacting to the question about United you know, being tight contenders, and I think it's too early. But he's giving the, the players an excuse. You don't think yeah. he's giving them an out, and he's giving them yeah. an excuse of playing poorly. In games that they should be winning. At, 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 the, at the same time, he can drop what he said, but he should also be adding that we're going, look, this is a test for these players. We want to see how far, how high we can finish. And by not doing that, it almost feels he's let them off the hook a small bit. And this is what I've always said. He's too soft on these guys. He's too soft on some of these players. Perhaps, perhaps. And then you have also have the likes of Luke Shaw, who we've raved about on the podcast, who credits his man management. And he's a player who likes an arm around the shoulder, like many of them do. But there are times, Mike, I think you'd agree, where you need to lay the hammer. Um, and I'm not saying last I'm, night. I'm, was... I'm always a bit suspicious when unanimously all the players love the manager all the time. That suggests <laughs> to me they're not being worked very hard. You know, right. I, think, I think we can have a, a situation where the players go... 
have a lot of time for the manager to respect him. But we've had disagreements here, there, this, that, and the other. Strong personalities clashing with each other. You know, he, he just bends too much with these players. So with that, we have a question in from the Facebook group um, from Jesse, not Jesse Lingard. Ali's contract is up in 18 months. What's your take on him getting a new one, Mike? He'll almost certainly get a new contract at the end of the season. I suspect he'll be given probably another three years. Another three-year extension. I think Manchester United have learned a valuable lesson with this. Because when they gave Ali the job on a permanent, they did so prematurely. Now, I agree. I agree, obviously, now what they gave him the contract. But they did so during the season. And they should have waited till the end. And uh, I think what they're doing right now is keeping their options open. They're saying to Solskjaer, we'll talk about it at the end of the season, see how we finish. That's the best best way to do it because it keeps him on his toes. It should keep the players on their toes. I want, I, I want Dolly to get a new contract, but I also want United to succeed. And he has to go and prove himself between now and the end of the season, maybe. If we finish strongly enough, he'll get his new deal. I think it'll be probably two years, Mike. I don't think United will go down the route of, I'll give him three just yet um, because two years is a long time in football it's a long time after after three years already um, and teams change and te- teams need changing and so charged in the process of building that team it'll be interesting to see what it's like in two years time um, another question in from Fabiola give us a chance to speak about Scotty McTee Mike um, just a finisher or could he end up captain United to win in the league title uh, it's a bit premature, but he's very, very good. Um, he's very good. At, um, from what I've seen of him this season, I've enjoyed him playing in a more advanced position in midfield. I think in the long run, I think him in a four-three-three, maybe on the right right side of a four-three-three, being able to shuttle up and down the pitch, he can bring a lot to the team. I think the way he's able to make late runs into attacking positions, not just yesterday, but he's done that a few times this season, is, is, is something he's really added to his game. He's become a big presence, a big personality at the club. I felt he'd done that last season. We were going through a very, very difficult spell, actually. So that's been very pleasing. Um, and he played, there was a decent chunk of last season, he was actually playing through an injury, I think, as well, until eventually he just couldn't play. <laughs> Lovely taken goal yesterday. Great late run into the box. Um, and if we, if we get a really good holding midfielder in, in, in the summer to play in there, in there, then that should free him up, you know, to it, 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 up the pitch. It should nearly give him a newfound role. If 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 getting that hold the midfielder, we could see an even better Scott McTominay next season. If if, if that's his responsibility is to focus on maybe entering the box in those moments, because Solskjaer did say last night that he's been urging him to do that. He, he said he's a great striker of the ball, which probably comes from the fact that he was a striker in the academy. Yeah, he's very, very ago. clean. He strikes the ball very cleanly and really crisply. And if you watch his... Um, one of the things that Sosa is really good at talking about is where he talks about the way players strike a ball. Obviously, from him as a, as, a, as someone who basically trained himself to be able to use his left foot as a kid. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can watch McTominay. You watch his butt, the way he shapes up his body when he strikes the ball. You look at where on the foot that he hits the ball with. It's very clean. It's very crisp. He gets power, he gets placement, he focuses well on where he's hitting the ball. He's got those attributes there. And I, I, you know, I'd heard he was a striker in the academy, but I'd never really seen him in the academy. The first time I saw him was when he was brought into the first team as a very, very defensive-minded midfield player. Um, but I think you see in um, 
you're seeing actually the facets of his game that I think could really put him over the top as a as an elite level midfield player, someone who could play at the really, really top level for several years, um, which would make it even more imperative to, as you said, get in a holding midfielder to allow him to continue that development going forward. You can read about it on Strutty News or The Athletic. You'd find it on Google somewhere that one summer in the academy, he had this crazy growth spurt that he was standing at around 5'10". And now I think he's 6'3 or 6'2 or something. He, he's, he's quite tall now. But but on top of that, the coaches at, at Carrington weren't expecting such development from him. Um, and his size, he just shot up. But another thing with him and his development in terms of on the pitch, he is developing at a seriously quick rate, Mike. From when he came into the first team... You know, there was a bit of promise. I think he had a really good performance against Chelsea, if I remember correctly. Um, and then there was kind of dwindled a little bit. But then he just shot it on again last season. Became a really influential figure in this United side. And this season, I think in many ways, for big games especially, he's one of the first names on the team sheet. Absolutely agree with that. It's certainly um, it's someone that I, I would have in the team. Like, I think... I have to go back and listen to it again, but when I mentioned sort of the, I think there was six or seven players who would be in the team every week. He was one who would be yeah. in there. Yeah. Because he, like I said, it's not just what he brings in terms of his footballing ability. And we're actually seeing now what he can bring as a footballer, and that he is a good footballer. His passing's good as well. I've seen a lot it's more of his better. forward passing. Yeah. I think one of the things I like about his forward passing is um, something I haven't seen enough of from United midfielders over the last several years. Is Hit nose, really quick, strong quick. passes yeah. forward. Yeah. Um, it was something Roy Keane always used to do. Because Roy Keane was really good at doing this. And the way that Roy Keane talks about it is you want to give the striker a chance and take the defender out of the equation just for a split second. So if the ball's coming in really strong, but it's a little easier if the striker, if the ball's coming in that strong, you can actually take it on the turn. If you're an attacker, you can take that on the turn and start moving forward without losing momentum. And he's really gotten that. And obviously, as we said, the way he strikes a ball is really, really good. I mean, the goals he got against Leeds, that I think it was his second one, was a really, really nice hit. That was a really good strike. So the important thing is now is that, you know, we, we start building a squad around these guys that are impressing and to make sure that they can push on and actually win some trophies and not just kind of be happy being in the top four. Just something you touched on with McTominay, Mike, and... Um a comment in or a question even from Jonathan Patrick Fassbender. Is he showing, <laughs> excuse me, <clears throat> that he can now be trusted to play that holding role on his own, which should give us more options formation-wise if fitting more of our attack-minded players comfortably into the team? 4-3-3 possibly. Now, you mentioned 4-3-3, but I don't feel you'd want McTominay in that holding role. Not in a 4-3-3, no. Although we don't, I don't think we have anyone that would could do that role effectively right now. Fred's tackling isn't quite good enough to be trusted with that role. And Matic, you can't have Matic in there when you've already got two defenders that can't run. So you can't stick a midfielder to screen him who also can't run. That's just completely insane. Yeah. Um, so at the moment, you can't really play a 4-3-3. When I talked about that, it was more of like a long-term thing to have a top-quality holding midfield, deep-line midfield player in there and then allowing him to shut up and down the pitch which is where I, I see him going forward. And maybe you could even look at 
some more effective wide forwards. You could maybe even have Bruno playing as a false nine, or you could have Bruno playing from a deeper position on maybe the left side of a of a three-man midfield. But no, I, I don't want him in that holding role because from what we've seen of him this season, you're going to lose an enormously effective part of his game that's contributed a lot to the team. United's midfield, we should talk about Bruno, but United's midfield looks better with McTominay in there because it's got so much more pace and drive on the transition. that I think just to have him sitting in a holding screening position, maybe you can look at that later in his career, but it's a bit of a, I don't know about you, but I feel that's a bit of a waste, really. It is a waste considering Solskjaer wants to make uh, most use out of his ability to enter the box in those positions. I wouldn't want McTominay sitting too deep. I think what we've said on this podcast a number of times that we want that hold midfielder, a top-class player, to basically, and use, to use a word Solskjaer said last night, is to unleash McTominay. Um, that's what I'd like to see. And he's a player too... You have the likes. You need the likes of Paul Pogba, Bruno Fernandez, Danny Van de Beeks, and all these talented, technically gifted players in your squad. But Manchester United have always had hard-working midfielders as well in in, in the teams. You can look back to even the likes of Darren Fletcher. Um, I throw Michael Carrick in, although he was technically very good as well. But these are hard-working players. They they don't just get into the team every week for their ability. But for what they, they what they bring to the to the side from a mental state and also hard work, McTominay is pulling up trees this season. I, I really think he is. Sometimes he might go under the radar, but he's also the player there that I know will stick a boot in when one needs to be stuck in. Um, and I think he has everyone's back. And he's an important player. He's a leader. Um, one of the questions from Fabiola asked a uh, future captain to lead United to win the title. I'm not sure. We don't know when United will next win the league title, but. One thing is for sure, when I look at that team, some people point to Bruno Fernandes as the captain or leader. For me this season, it's, it's been Scott McTominay. Scott McTominay has been the leader for me. Um, good influence, good professional, and he leads by example. Another question came in, we already answered it. Anthony Davis, he asks, why would Oli spend £40 million bringing in Danny Van, Danny Van de Beek to a club when he doesn't rate him? I disagree. Mike, do you want to take that question again? Because you seem to agree with it. Well, he doesn't rate him. He didn't want him. Okay. On that note, I hope you're proven wrong. I hope, I hope, I hope it's a case that Danny Van der Beek doesn't go running. I hope he doesn't go running the summer and complain to his agent. That I just been... don't want a situation where we look back and regret in the way that I certainly look back and regret at someone like Veron. Who I look at Veron and I was like, God, we should have really given him more of a feel of being a leader and a big figure in the team that I don't think we ever gave him and he wasn't really shown the patience and I think the timing was bad as well. He came into a club where I think that was the season Ferguson was thinking about retiring at that point as well, which didn't help. There's a lot of flux at the club. And I don't want us looking back and going, God, we had a really top-class player there and we, we wasted it. Plenty to speak about again next week. Um, we're playing West Brom on Sunday, so myself and Mike will be back recording on Monday with a reaction to that. So make sure you join our Facebook community where we take in a lot of our questions. Um, please subscribe to the Stratycast on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. And if you, an option pops up to leave us a review, please do that because it helps us. Um, it helps us get out to different listeners and, and to grow. And we're enjoying this and we hope you're enjoying it too. 
So we'll speak to you next week and hopefully it's another win to talk about. Sports Social Podcast Network. I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.